Hello and welcome to the State News Sports Roundtable. I'm your host as always, Eli McCowan, and today I am joined by the State News' football reporters, Jared Ramsey and Sam Sklar. For the first time in like two years, we're back in the podcast room. The last time we were in the podcast room was me and our fellow friend, Brendan Gumbel, breaking down how COVID was maybe going to cancel the NCAA tournament, and then we never stepped foot in here again. So... How are we feeling about that? Definitely better than you guys were feeling that day. We are in here cho- uh, chopping it up, talking some MSU football. They had a good victory this weekend against Rutgers, and here on a Tuesday evening talking about it. It's really crazy how full circle it's come almost a full two years of, you know, how you're saying you're in here with Brennan Gumble, and now it's me, Jared, Eli talking not post-COVID, but having suffered through COVID for <laughs> a year and a half about. And, you know, I'm excited to be here. This is I was actually, I worked at the State News at that time, but this is my first time in the actual podcast room. And I can already tell this is a lot better than Zoom. It's 100% better than Zoom. Can confirm. Can confirm. So today we're talking about Michigan State football at the halfway point. They are now 6-0 and in the season after taking down Rutgers 31-13. to this was kind of a game where it felt like Michigan State early was in trouble after the first drive, and then Rutgers went down and scored, and then very quickly, every single time, Michigan State had an answer from there on, and they just seemed to kind of take over. Jared, I want to start with you. We were covering this game from the newsroom, the three of us. How? What was your kind of general thoughts on the afternoon? Yeah, it was a sloppy game from MSU. They had almost 600 yards of offense and only scored 31 points. It was like they had the fake field goal on the first possession that didn't go anywhere. They had the punt fiasco on the second one. They they had turnovers, Thornton threw an interception. They just had a bunch of little mistakes that prevented this from being like MSU putting up a 50-burger on them and just destroying Rutgers' will. But, I mean, it was still a great game from MSU. They won comfortably. Uh, Jalen Naylor, Kenneth Walker had uh, amazing days individually, about 60-plus yard touchdowns. But, yeah, and they're 6-0 now. Who thought they'd be 6-0 halfway through the season? It was just an odd game for me. I mean... They won 31-13, obviously. If you just look at the box score, you'd think that the Spartans would have handled Rutgers very easily, but that really wasn't the case. You know, watching the game here in the newsroom, after that first drive where Michigan State completely messed up on that uh, fake field goal try with Bryce Berenger running for it. Can we take a moment to talk about this? Because... That apparently was the play design because we thought we thought in the newsroom initially that oh well maybe like there was a botched snap like maybe there was something, and Mel Tucker clarified after that they got the look that they wanted getting their punter out on a run down to the edge. Yeah, and he followed I, up yesterday and said that uh, he wasn't gonna elaborate further on it. So it sounds like it's coming back some point in the future, and it's gonna be perfected. I'm guessing. Oh, so we we should expect another fake field goal, is that what you're saying? That's what Tucker was alluding to, it sounded like. He wasn't giving much info about what what he saw in the defense to go for it. It's I I like the aggressiveness 
for sure. I was very all in favor for being aggressive going out and trying it. But the play design, trying to get Bryce Berenger out running out to the edge, I mean, like, quite frankly, for, like, the rest of the season, if you can't get that against Rutgers, <laughs> you're not getting it in the next six games because Bryce Berenger's not going to beat anyone out onto the edge. Especially with the opponents they've got coming up. It's not happening. Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, all really good teams, all really Maryland good Maryland has some talent and some yes. speed. And yeah. Purdue's got some guys on their on their defensive line that have some talent too that are going to be on that field goal unit. And yeah. I, I don't. Bryce Berenger is a great guy, definitely. Oh. Not, definitely not the fastest player on the Spartans. Yeah. and they I, probably shouldn't try to rely on him in space. I, I don't want to make this a Bryce Berenger hate thing. Like I don't want it to make it that. Like <laughs> I don't. I don't want to sound like that. But like it is one of those things where it's like I. I just. You don't. It doesn't make sense. It did not make sense at the time. But they ended up coming away with a win. They secured the thirty-one to thirteen victory. I thought this was a game where Michigan State kind of showed, like from last year, if you don't turn the ball over seven times, it's a lot easier to win. And they were able to hold on to the football for most of the game, and things went well for them. So that I, you know, I think this was a good one for them. And they get the bowl eligibility six and zero. They're pretty much guaranteed to go to at least the pinstripe bowl at this point. Let's. I think we can all say that. Let's. I let's, hope not. let's hope not for the pinstripe bowl. Let's hope that uh, you guys get a more luxurious trip somewhere yeah. else and not to New York. No, no, nothing against New York. Just you know, Florida sounds nicer. We need another trip to Florida. We need to actually be able to go to the beach yeah. during the day. Maybe get a little sun. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like not three-hour layovers in Washington D.C. this time. Yeah. That'd be great. But we'll see. I mean, MSU really dictates our paths at the end of December into the new year. And the way they're playing, they could go to some crazy destinations. It, it does feel at this point in time that at worst, you're going to see them in Nashville. Yeah. Because Music City Bowl. That's around like fifth or sixth best in the Big Ten at that point in time. If you're in the Music City Bowl, that does feel like that's probably bare minimum of where you're going at this yeah, point in time. Unless like the wheels fall off the wagon and they go 0 and 6, like you think they'd pick up the the wins or at least one or two with the remaining six and get to that point. It feels like Maryland and Rutgers are two games that they should be favored in at this point in time and then we're going to get into Indiana here in a little bit, but and they are favored in that one so far, so should be interesting, but I do think it's appearing that a Florida Bowl with the amount of Florida Bowls that the Big Ten gets, it does feel like that's kind of the direction it's going with six games left to go. But we're going to move on now, considering they are 6-0. and We're going to do some midseason awards where we give out our offensive, defensive, and special teams player of the year each. Jared, I will swing it to you. We'll start with the offense. How are we feeling right on this right now? I guess going first... I'll take the easy one. I'm going to have to go with Kenneth Walker the third. Um, if you haven't heard of him, he plays running back for Michigan State. He's been pretty good this year. Leads the nation to rushing yards with uh, 913, has nine touchdowns. And he absolutely just embarrasses defenders. Um, that little wiggly head on the Rutgers safety in space was, and then the handshake after it. I mean, it's just hard to put in words how cool that is and how just like electrifying that is to watch and he's kind of just been that spark plug for everyone so I'm gonna have to go with Kenneth Walker what about you Sam 
who is it? Kenneth Walker? Is that, is that that's his name? Yeah, if you haven't heard of him. He also goes by K9. That's oh. been what MSU football's been pushing on Twitter. Oh, that's lately. right. That's right. Yeah, I have heard of him. He's the one. Oh, and maybe in some Heisman conversations, yeah, a question mark? just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah? yeah. He, he might be in New York in early December. Oh, speaking of New York, did you guys see that tweet today of, I don't know if it's fake or not, but it's a video in Times Square of Kenneth Walker for Heisman on big billboards yeah. in Times Square. I, I, I couldn't tell if it was fake or not. I appreciate the effort for whoever went through and did it, but as as I said earlier, it did feel like we were getting graphic design as my passion vibes. Like, mm-hmm. to me, that's what I was feeling from that. But shout out whoever did it. It was cool. Good for Kenneth Walker. But Yeah, the team over at MSU Athletics, I think, would have done a little bit more. But, yeah. I mean... Him breaking that run against Northwestern is cool. It's cool to see it again in Times Square with thousands of people. Yeah. As a graphic design minor who just started this <laughs> fall, I can tell you I'm incapable of pulling <laughs> off anything even close to that. So I'm I'm quite impressed myself. But um, yeah. I mean, you have to go with Kenneth Walker here. I mean, he's just unbelievable. Any better than anyone really expected. I remember hearing today when Xavier Henderson was saying in his availability that. When Kenneth Walker arrived here at Michigan State in the spring, in the winter, he wasn't sure whether or not it was the defense that was just terrible or Kenneth Walker was really that good. And I think that we have, at this point, can pretty safe to say that it's just Kenneth Walker's talent and this defense has also been pretty good too. And in reality, I mean, also Kenneth Walker for offensive, you know, midseason award here. I, he's opened up the offense for everyone else and made it so much easier for Peyton Thorne. And Peyton Thorne needed that. I think if you put Peyton Thorne in, I mean, we saw it last year's offense. Without the run game, we saw what Peyton Thorne was. When he's forced to have to make a play on every every time, he's going to turn the ball over. And that's not his fault. It's just he didn't have any weapons when he was starting last, when he had got his chance last year. And, you know, it makes a big difference. When Michigan State won games last year, the two games they won, they ran the football and they did it at, a, at an okay pace. And Michigan, not as much. That one was more just throw it up in the air and Michigan's defensive backs did not play very well. But... Against Northwestern, Connor Hayward had like I close to 100, if not over 100 yards in that game. Yeah, they definitely outran him last. They year. outran Northwestern by a lot against a good Northwestern defense too. But th- it's opened up everything for this offense. It makes you have to respect something in this offense, and it opens up a lot of different things, like the flea flicker, for example. Exactly. Just like the flea flicker, that is a cru- critical part of the offense, as we have found out from this week's press conference. But yeah, I, I'd have to agree. I, I'll swing it back for Defensive Player of the Year, and for me, this really isn't... This one, you, there is a little bit more variance, but it does feel easy to me, and that's Xavier Henderson and what he's been able to do in multiple different roles. He's been all over the field. He's been able to help in pass coverage. He's helped in rushing the quarterback as well, bringing him on some blitzes and doing some things. He's just been very dynamic, and I think he's certainly proved his worth as a defender in, at the NFL level in about a year. Yeah, I mean, I have to second that. I think Xavier Henderson has been just awesome for Michigan State defensively. Leads the team in tackles with 52, and he's also got two sacks, so he's been rushing the passer a little bit, dialing up some blitzes. He had an insane interception, and I believe that was week two against Youngstown State, I want to say. Yep. Right on the goal line on a deep throw. And, I mean, he has just been reliable pretty much every single game. He hasn't really had – he said today that he thought his Western Kentucky game was probably his worst game, but I wouldn't say that he played poorly in that game. He's just been the rock of this defense. He's the heart of this defense. He's a leader, and he's very well-spoken, and he's a guy that you can tell why the coaches trust him and lean on him every play. 
Yeah, and Henderson was saying today, to kind of what you were saying, that he thinks consistency has been his biggest strength so far this year. And I think that's really helped in a young and transfer-heavy secondary for MSU with guys like Ronald Williams, Chester Kimbrough that transferred in, and then Darius Snow and Chuck Brantley who have stepped up and are kind of both starting now. I mean, cornerback's kind of fluid, but Darius is starting the starting nickelback now, and he led the team in tackles last week or this week and looks really good, and Angelo Gross is still young, and Henderson has that effect on him. And, but I, I, for me, I would say Cal Halliday. And mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't even have said that before the Rutgers game. But um, after he missed the first half because of that targeting, it's Western Kentucky late. He, you kind of saw the defense without him, and it looked a lot more rattled, a lot more discombobulated, I guess is a good word. And ha- when Halliday came back in in the second half, he didn't let Rutgers score, and it was like five possessions or punts, one was a fumble, and it was just dominant, and I think, him just being a leader along with Henderson and make this defense go from pretty good to like really good and that could be huge for MSU. I'd second Cal Halliday. I'd also say that there's a few other Jacob Honashuk, uh, Drew Beasley before his injury or a couple of guys on the defensive line there that did a really good job. Defensive tackles kind of been rotating but Jalen Hunt uh, not as much Jalen Hunt, but uh, Simeon Barrow in the last game was mm-hmm. big. There's been some guys that rotate and make some big plays oh, yeah. in the defensive tackle room. They got a lot of guys that can rotate in and out there. Jacob Slade. Jacob Slade almost scored last week. Yeah, <laughs> he almost scored. He did. He he. Hey, he looked like he had some wheels. Bryce Berenger wheels. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bryce. I'm sorry. I'm good. I I will redeem it back and say I feel like this is the easy one for special teams. Bryce Berenger. Yeah, I mean. I'm I might have to differentiate Jaden Reed if you consider him a special teams player, but he oh, also is offense. But I mean, Berenger's been amazing too, top five in the country in punts. I think you kind of just have to split the award between the two of them with Jaden Reed and, and Bryce Berenger. You know, Jaden Reed had back to back punt returns for touchdowns spanning across two games, which was you know they, I don't think Michigan State would have won that game against Nebraska had he not done that. Just the way that. That offense was performing in the second half. And then Bryce Berenger has been unbelievable in terms of flipping the fields. And he, he didn't really do as well, I would say, against Rutgers. But, I mean, through all the five games before that, he's just been great, When especially in that second half when we've seen some struggles from Michigan State offensively. Luckily, they have been able to put up enough points where it hasn't really mattered except for that Nebraska game. But his special teams is a part that has was a weakness of Michigan State over the last couple of years and I think that the the coaches have done a very good job this year improving the special teams and, and Matt Coughlin has not been bad I mean he's been good he's yeah. missed a few kicks here and there but I mean nothing yeah and oh, one more thing on special teams like like you said coaching staff's really put a big emphasis on it there's a lot of a lot of starters on like punt and kick coverage and Tucker's been preaching it to us in media availability. It's, you see it on the field. You got fast guys like in young guys like Keon Coleman and uh, Elijah Collins, former starting running backs out there. Harold Joyner's been playing Harold a little Joyner, bit. Like a lot of skilled guys, a lot of young guys. And it just shows that they need everyone to play on uh, 
on special teams they really value it and um the guys have really bought into it like uh i can't remember who was saying it it might have been Jaden reed saying like he knows he's gonna play special teams at the next level like tucker's told him that and then he's really bought into it and really worked to become a better special teams player I, I simply am just going to go with Bryce Berenger here because I, I, I do think Jaden Reed with the two touchdowns like has been incredible and he's and they've done a the really good job. The one kick return where they had him and Naylor in the back against um, Nebraska. Nebraska was, I mean, huge for that game. It really did. It turned the game around, quite frankly, and for them. And in the same hand, I do think Bryce Berenger has been really big and just allowing the defense in this bend-don't-break thing helping them get them them in bad field positions and do some things he's had some really good punts and he's been crucial so i'm gonna go with bryce barringer personally but i do see the Jaden reed thing i I gotta we gotta do something to differ it up here and i i do love me some bryce barringer some good punting i think he does have um, maybe negative rushing yards though in the season just want to point that 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 is true i I will concede that yeah Mm -hmm. i think that has to be taken into account (laughs) those are things we hate to see so we're, we were talking about this last week a little bit, or the last time we were on the podcast. Where where does this next loss come from? Because when I last did this, I said Rutgers because I thought they'd get fall asleep a little bit. Things would, would get a little hectic, but I, that didn't happen. I thought early I was right, but it kind of flipped on me. Where do we think this next loss comes from? I mean, I said last time we talked is after, what, Miami before Nebraska? And I said it was going to be this upcoming weekend against Indiana. I think I'm going to push it down the line a little bit just because Indiana's looking a little bit questionable right now. Now, I'm going to have to say that this is going to be kind of crazy, but I think they're going to make it to the Ohio State game, second to last week of the year. And it's going to be interesting. It's going to be... A lot, a lot of hype around the program if they can get it to 10-0 and go to the shoe and play that game, but it's been a pretty crazy year so far, so who knows. I also said Indiana originally, and I, I do think that I also have to push that back, not to just reiterate what Jared's been saying, but I think just the quarterback or the questions at quarterback for Indiana kind of give me optimism that I think that Michigan State is going to win this weekend. That Michigan, and then next week, or next game, because they have a bye after playing Indiana, Michigan, I, I, I'm so torn on it. I, I think it's a toss-up, but uh, I'm going to give it to Michigan State. And then after that, the schedule lightens up with a road game at Purdue and a home game versus Maryland. So I, I do think that Ohio State game is could legitimately be the last, or the first loss, rather, for Michigan State. And I mean, if both teams, well, Ohio State's lost one game, I think that both of those, if Michigan State's undefeated at that point against Ohio State, there could be a very good chance that college game day is in Columbus that weekend, which would just be unbelievable. Yeah, and I mean, we might see him in two weeks too, or three, three weeks. With, with that being said then, if we're talking about Michigan State making it to Ohio State, which... I look at the Michigan game, and I do think that the Michigan game, when Michigan State hosts them, is going to be the first time they force Cade McNamara to make throws. And quite frankly, I don't trust Cade McNamara enough to make those throws in those games. And I trust Peyton Thorne in that situation over Cade McNamara. And that game's going to come down to turnovers. 
yeah. which which defense is going to force the quarterback to make mistakes that's that's going to be the game and i because i think both teams are going to have good rushing attacks between kenneth walker quorum haskins for michigan but they're going to have to whoever can can make the quarterback make mistakes whether that's getting in his face forcing interceptions getting sacks getting him in third down and long situations is going to be the the key to that game i like michigan state to be able to pull that one off too and I'm not going to rule out Maryland and Purdue just for the sake that I think Maryland can get a little weird <laughs> because you're, yes. you're, you're how Aaliyah let's get weird let's get weird I mean seriously because like Dagovola is one of those guys who can throw six touchdowns and like 400 yards on your head and oh, then the next torched, game will throw six interceptions MSU last year yeah well not or two years ago two years ago they didn't play last year or was it did they have they played against I don't think they played against him before I don't know. Two years ago, they didn't play. Or they they played, but I don't think he was playing yet. No, I guess not. Who I who did he torch? He torched Indiana last year. He had a couple good games last year where he played pretty well. But I think... I just pictured in my mind that he beat MSU really bad last year just because of the other losses they yeah. suffered. It's fair enough. He, he, <laughs> he's one of those guys that kind of gives me the Adrian Martinez vibes where I'm not 100% sure if he's going to drop 400 yards and six tds on my head or if he's gonna throw me five interceptions and i think that's a game where i'm not gonna it's a it's at <laughs> home that feels like it's gonna be a noon game it's like right before ohio state is it that might, the, is that the sleepy is that the mighty trap game we've been talking about like we were talking about with western kentucky and indiana or or, or western kentucky and rutgers excuse me yeah is it that finally the one i don't know but I look at this, but at this point in time, if we're talking about them getting to 10 and 0, does that mean Mel Tucker is in the coach of the year conversation? Not just in the Big Ten, but nationally. Oh, if MSU gets through Michigan, Purdue, Maryland, uns- Indiana unscathed, I definitely think so. I mean, they were 2 and 5 last year. Couldn't run the ball, couldn't pass the ball, couldn't get stops, just. Just a bad, really bad football team. If they turn around their top five team in the country, that would just, that'd be one of the craziest stories in recent college football history. Absolutely. If Michigan State goes 10-2, and two, let's just say, I think Mel Tucker would be the easy runaway for Coach of the Year nationally. And I, he's, of course, Big Ten. Yeah. No, I'd have to agree. I think... Kirk Ferentz probably going to get put back in that conversation just if they keep winning games because they're probably going to go undefeated into the title game. So I think there's going to be something where they there's an argument to be made for sure. It's going to be interesting to see how that kind of pans out because I still feel like Iowa could lose to like a Purdue randomly. You know what I mean? Because Iowa is one of those teams that's not going to necessarily blow you out. Graham Mertz gets right against Iowa. <laughs> I, I hey, but <laughs> they'll figure it out eventually, right? One of these days Graham Mertz will figure it out. But it's it should be interesting. I think the coach of the year race is gonna be really interesting. Kirby Smart, if he continues to play that way, he's gonna get some nods too. And I think there's some interesting things there. But in the Big Ten it does feel like this is Mel Tucker's to lose at this point. Yeah, I mean you could make a case for Harbaugh if Michigan puts things together and yeah. goes on a crazy run, but they have to do that and MSU kinda has to do the same thing. So we'll see. But uh, you want to jump into Indiana? Yeah, let's go over Indiana real quickly. I Let's do some score predictions and what we think are going to be the keys of the game here. I, talking with the Indiana Daily students, Evan Gerke, what I kind of outlined was this was going to be a game of which quarterback is not going to turn the ball over, quite frankly, because these are two really good defenses. And that's kind of the cop-out answer. But there's two very good defenses on both sides of the ball. 
w- w- at some point these quarterbacks are going to have to make throws and I feel like with Tuttle for Indiana that's not going to happen and I feel like with Thorne we've seen him be able to do that in moments and I feel like this is a game where Michigan State just has too much with Kenneth Walker and their ability to run the ball Indiana hasn't really had the run game as much this year their offensive line struggled I just feel like this is Michigan State's game and and some at this point and I'm, I'm going to say 27-17. I think that uh, that Indiana is a really interesting team because when you look at their record and you see two and three, you're like, oh, that, that's not a very good team. But their three losses have come against teams that are currently in the top ten in the nation. And mm-hmm. I that Iowa game in the beginning of the season, Indiana, they, they on the scoreboard, they got killed. But they kind of really beat themselves with Michael Penix throwing two pick sixes to the same player and also throwing another interception. And, and that Cincinnati loss that they had at home, they were competitive the entire way. And they had a pretty big lead at one point, And then they gave up a kick return for a touchdown. And I think that Indiana has beat itself. And I think that they're a better team than two and three maybe represents. But at the same time, you know, that's can be the reality of teams that they're always just going to find a way to beat themselves kind of like nebraska did against michigan last weekend um it'll be interesting to see who plays quarterback whether it's Penix or Tuttle, with uh indiana's head coach saying that it's a game time decision sort of thing that you, you'll find out on saturday but i feel like the consensus consensus amongst the public is that Tuttle will be the guy and that it's kind of just smoke and mirrors with Penix had had been ruled out indefinitely with a shoulder injury they had a bye last week, so didn't really get any look at it from there. Um, I think that Michigan State, as long as they kind of stick to their, you know, identity of you know running the ball, making explosive plays, and then bending and not breaking on defense, they should be able to put away Indiana, who's a team that isn't really great at anything, but also isn't really terrible at anything. They're kind of just good at everything all around, and so I think that you know. It is homecoming for Indiana. It's not going to be an easy game, but I think that Michigan State will be able to pull it off. Score prediction, let's go Michigan State 30, Indiana 24. I Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you guys. I think there's just like a gap between Jack Tuttle and Peyton Thorne that will prevent Indiana from having a good chance of winning this game outside of MSU just – having a meltdown pretty much and just not showing up next Saturday in Bloomington. But I I think Tucker's going to have the team ready to play. And, I mean, it's a big game. Old Brass Platoon, even though Tucker only said that once yesterday in the presser and just called it the trophy the rest of the time. I mean, it's a big game, this platoon game. Indiana kind of embarrassed MSU last year. And I, I really do think that Tucker takes those losses personally and he wants to get revenge and with a backup quarterback I just don't think Indiana will be able to keep up um so I'm gonna go MSU 34 Indiana 20. Okay we're gonna take a quick trip around the country here before we wrap up and take a look at some other games going on around we'll start with what is pretty much going to be the game of the week here and that's Georgia Kentucky where uh Georgia's or Kentucky's ranked 11th in the nation Georgia's ranked number one Georgia's the only team that really, of the major players here, really hasn't fallen yet between, you know, Clemson, Bama, Ohio State, et cetera, et cetera. 
Jared, we'll kick it back to you. Your thoughts on this matchup? Um, it's classic dogs versus cats with Kentucky and Georgia. Kentucky's really been a surprise. They've uh, beaten LSU, beaten Florida pretty handedly, and can win the East if they win this game. And they've looked good. Wandale Robinson's fast. Will Levis can throw the ball far. With all that being said, Georgia and Georgia by a lot, like three touchdowns. How many points do you think Georgia gives up this weekend? I'm going to say 13. That's the most That's they've given lot. up all year. I think Kentucky's got a, a, a good enough offense to put some points on the board because the way they are able to run the ball, and this is a Kentucky team that's been able to run the ball a lot for the last few years, but they've started with Will Levis and Wandale Robinson, like you mentioned, which how Nebraska let Wandale Robinson go <laughs> It's just beyond me. But, you know, things happen, I, I guess. But it does feel like I do think this this is going to be the toughest offense that Georgia's maybe went against so far in terms of when you look down. Because Clemson, you would think Clemson, but <laughs> yeesh, it's been rough. That is a bad football <laughs> yeah, that, that, team. That's not Clemson that we are used to no, seeing No, no, it's not. And I, I think that this might be the best offense that they've played so far. Because the last one they played was Vandy. Yeah. No. Or they had Auburn last week. They had week. Auburn last week. Yeah, the Bo Nix experience. Yeah, so I, I don't I don't really anticipate. I do anticipate this Kentucky team giving it a little bit, a little bit more. But it'll be interesting, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, after week one when I watched Georgia play, I predicted, in, at least in my head, that I thought that Georgia was going to win the national championship. And that was at the time when they were behind Alabama. And now with Alabama losing last week to Texas A&M in a really wild entertaining game I still think that Georgia's the best team in the country right now their defense is just I mean the statistics that they're putting up are really just unheard of and so I think that they should handily be able to beat Kentucky one last thought on uh, Georgia Georgia's defense uh, Jalen Carter to the Lions that's all that's I'm, I'm for it I'm all right with that so this next one Florida LSU <laughs> I mean Florida right everyone Everyone's on that, Florida over LSU? Yeah. I mean, Coach O might get fired. LSU's at the bottom of the SEC West, which is wild. I, I LSU just it, – it, they reverted back to what the LSU teams were before the national title where they just – the offense is just – Less miles arrow. Yeah. yeah, they reverted back to that, and it feels like – you look at their next few games, Sam, I don't know if you can pull up LSU's schedule really quickly – their next few games, from my record, are just incredibly tough. They start with Florida this week, and then it continues on with Ole Miss, Ole Miss Alabama, Arkansas, before they go to ULM, and then they finish with Texas A&M on the season. <laughs> and I, they win one of those games. Yeah, they'll beat Louisiana Monroe. <laughs> yeah, they'll beat Louisiana Monroe, but <laughs> after that... Oh, they lose all those SEC games. They're mm. not winning a single one of those games. Coach O's going to be back cooking gumbo on the bayou. They're going to be 3-9 and nine on the season. Unless they... Maybe 4-8, and eight, they pull one of those games. But it does feel like... I, I feel like there's been some rumors this week. Could Editor or Jerron be fired this week? I didn't ever think that was really going to happen, considering he won a national title. I feel like they're going to let him finish this year out, but yeah. he, he's gone. Out of respect. He's done. Probably. He's done. Yeah, unless three he pulls, and nine's unacceptable. Unless he somehow pulls himself back and wins like three or four of those games somehow, which isn't going to happen, and maybe shows some promise or finds like a quarterback or something that works in the next few weeks, they're done. Yeah. He's done. 
Yeah. It's just incredible how fast the wheels have fallen off of LSU when, you know, they won a national championship just a few years ago. Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson, it's, Jamar Chase. I mean, the, the team was unbelievably good. And I've had, I've had the discussion before that LSU is probably one of, if one of the best jobs in college football and like, like a top three job considering the amount of resources you have in Louisiana. You are the only team in Louisiana for college in the Power Five. You can recruit. You have a very good recruiting base that can touch into Texas and into Florida, into the Georgia area, all around the South. With being the only team in that state, because even Alabama has to compete mm-hmm. with Auburn, Florida has to compete with Florida State and Miami, Texas has to compete with Texas A and M and all these other schools. LSU should be at a minimum nine and three every single football season. Yeah, this is a team that should. This is the one of the best jobs in America, and this is in. It's kind of just shown that Ed Orgeron, quite frankly, had a lot to do with Joe Brady, Dave Aranda, those guys who were in there as coordinators and his assistants really getting the job done for him. Yeah, and it really just goes to show that it was a really special group of players, too. Like Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You get the cornerback outside, uh, Stingley, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, they had guys all over the field. Yeah, and they're all playing on Sunday now, and they're all pretty – pretty darn good at the next level too so i think usc that coaching job is also could be up there though with lsu mm-hmm. yeah usc has a good one but again it's like does the pac-12 have the same energy or the same grip that the sec does no and i think that's the main difference and i mean ucla's in the in the gutter right now but oregon's <laughs> out recruiting usc yeah they're doing it right out of their own state and beating them for guys arizona state before all this this stuff was going on was going in and beating usc out for Jaden daniels and other guys like at lsu they have that state on lockdown the entire high all their high schools are purple and yellow most of them are purple and yellow mm-hmm. this this is an lsu this is lsu country and it's it's unbelievable it's how not, fast it's, it's not raging cajun's country it's not raging cajun's <laughs> country i wish dang it <laughs> All right, last one quickly. Texas is not back, and they have a matchup with undefeated Oklahoma State. Mike Gundy's got this team rolling. Quick thoughts before we head out. Texas, it was really, really, really funny to watch them melt down. Not for me. <laughs> Watching you run around the newsroom um, while Texas was letting your money on fire was a treat for some, pain for others. It was really a Shakespearean moment, and I guess that's just Texas. A lot of pain, a lot of misery with past greatness. And I'm going to roll with the Longhorns. I don't think that Oklahoma State's for real. John Robinson is right up there with Kenneth Walker for being really as best running back in the country, and so I'm going to go Longhorns by 10. Wow, I mean, second straight game against... Oklahoma, an Oklahoma team for whatever that's worth probably nothing <laughs> um, but I think you know Texas can kind of relate to the Detroit Lions this weekend in terms of just melting oh. down and I think that was pretty funny both of those were pretty funny for me to watch not, not needed for you to go there yeah I don't know why we had to do that I don't know why we had to do that just but. throwing that out there but when a team loses a in dramatic way like they did like Texas did to Oklahoma against their biggest rival playing out in the Cotton Bowl, I think that there's either really only two possibilities. They either come out and with a big chip on their shoulder and they just stomp Oklahoma State, or they just come out flat and defeated and all whiny about it, and then they just get killed. So I don't know which way this is going to go, but if I'm flipping a coin, I think Oklahoma State's going to win. 
I'm actually with Jared here. I, this Oklahoma State team is not good. <laughs> I, you you go down the line of the teams they beat. They had Missouri State, they had Tulsa, and they they edged out a Boise State team that's probably one of the worst Boise State teams in the last few years. I, I mean, new head yeah. coach and everything. Yeah. They take down Kansas State, who was missing Bad. their quarterback at the time, and then they beat a Baylor team who also really hadn't played anybody up to that point. Baylor should have covered too. And and <laughs> and I I look at Texas and it does feel like they have the talent advantage. And for Oklahoma State, I do not believe in Spencer Sanders whatsoever. Yeah. Spencer Sanders last year was supposed to be the guy for this team when Mike Gundy was being like, "Our team carries the state economically. We need to play football. <laughs> and like screw COVID. Whether we all get COVID or not, we're gonna play." And they just weren't there. So I. I don't like Oklahoma State here. I think Texas is going to be pissed after this week. I do believe in Steve Sarkeesian to some extent offensively. I feel like this is a game where the offense plays at a very high level and takes down Oklahoma State pretty handedly. Bijan Robinson is uh, 1B to uh, Kenneth Walker's 1A. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. For those who are listening and are huge Texas fans for whatever reason who listen to this podcast, I think Kenneth Walker III is better. Even if I am going with Texas, horns down. <laughs> for for all of our listeners from the Southwest that are angry with Sam and Eli for those comments, please direct them to their Twitter accounts. We would love to read them off on the next episode. Yes, please. <laughs> please please come there. My way. Be in my DMs, please. It'll help me get verified. <laughs> me too, honestly. <laughs> Actually, all three of us. <laughs> But all right, that'll do it for us. I appreciate you guys coming on. Appreciate you listeners for coming on and listening to us. And we'll try and catch you guys next week after Indiana take, takes on the Spartans in Bloomington. And we'll catch you guys on the bye week.